Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church exists to lead people towards a life that is fully surrendered to Jesus. We hope that this message will encourage you and inspire you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy this week's message from Pastor Lauren Foster. This morning we are kicking off a brand new series that's actually going to run through the rest of July. And just to let you know, the whole theme of this series over the next few weeks is hope. It's to speak on the subject of hope because I don't know if you're feeling this, I can sense this and I just want to let you know as a pastor why I'm fired up to talk about this this weekend is because it feels like people are losing hope right now. It seems as if everything that's taking place, it, it, in many ways, it doesn't look like there's an end in sight. And I'm not talking about any specific thing right now in and through our culture, but I think we can all feel the tension. I think it's a struggle right now. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're wrestling with some things that we do not have the answers to. And so this weekend, we're going to look in the book of Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. Say it again. It's a fun name. Say Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a very small book in the Word of God. Three chapters, but this man's life was profound. And the reason why I feel that his life, as we study this out over the next few weeks, is extremely applicable is because Habakkuk was in the middle of a struggle. Habakkuk had questions. He was slightly frustrated with the Lord. He didn't understand why things were taking place, and he believed God could intervene, but he wasn't, at least apparently from Habakkuk's perspective. And so I want to talk about this man's life because he was an Old Testament minor prophet and he was a different kind of prophet because typically what a prophet would do is he would speak to people on behalf of God. But Habakkuk did the opposite. He spoke to God on behalf of the people because he was frustrated that God wasn't answering him the way he felt like he should. And so he was struggling, he was questioning in many ways, what I feel like some of us may be questioning God with right now in this season of life, which was, why doesn't God seem fair? Why are these things taking place? Why don't we have the answers that perhaps we're looking for? I know you could do something about this, God, but you're not, and I do not understand. So let's dive into the Word of God here. In Habakkuk chapter 1, we're going to read verses 2 through four. And in the first part of this chapter, Habakkuk received a prophecy, which when you translate this out and when you do some research, it was a dooming prophetic word that he received from the Lord. It was a burden. It was something weighty that was weighing him down. And here's where he goes on to God on behalf of the people, and he asks this question, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. That's 2020 right there. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Wow, let's print that off, put it on our fridge, and encourage our families with it this week. (laughs) You read that, you're like, this guy, what's, what's happening? Well, I mean... Many of us, we can relate to how he's feeling. He's questioning God. He doesn't have answers, and he feels like he's justified in this. But one thing that I love about Habakkuk and his perspective and his posture towards God, he's completely honest and real. He's totally raw. 
He's he's willing to tell God exactly how he feels. In fact, the name Habakkuk even tells the deeper story because his name means to embrace and to wrestle. Habakkuk is doing everything that he can with what he knows about God to wrestle with him and to embrace what he's doing because what he sees doesn't line up with what he believes. And so here he is in the middle of this tension. So what do you do when you find yourself in a seemingly hopeless situation? This is where we're going to look to the word here this week. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The first part, Habakkuk showed us this. We must get honest with God. We have to get transparent with the Lord. When we don't understand something in our life, when confusion abounds, we've got to be willing to tell God and be transparent, be honest with with what we're feeling and what we're going through in and through our life. And here's a warning. When we read through the story of Habakkuk, this isn't a sitcom-style story. Let me explain what I mean by that. I want you to think back, one of your favorite sitcoms growing up, a show that you enjoyed, or maybe one that you enjoy watching now. Lauren and I, when we were growing up, we loved to watch Friends. In fact, we watched it for years, and last year we went to New York City for one day. One day we traveled around, and I found tickets to this. They, they recreated some of the most iconic friend scenes on, and, and kind of recreated some set pieces. And it was kind of cool, just memory lane, laughing about certain things. But a sitcom-style story follows a similar pattern. You start out and everybody's happy in the very beginning of the episode and then at some point there's tension, there's drama, there's a problem and then maybe even a challenge associated with it and then by the very end of that 30 minute show, everything is buttoned up, everything is resolved, everything is clean. And I just want to let you know that when you try to apply that kind of sitcom style story to your theology or your walk with God, here's what typically happens. So you're single and you lose a job. And then all of a sudden, God blesses you with a better job, and you make more money. And because you're single now, all of a sudden, he brings the man of your dreams, and and you start dating, and you find out he's independently wealthy. So then you get married, and when you get married, you can retire when you're 35. And then you have kids, and your kids are perfect. They never disobey. They always listen. You have a dog. The dog never bites. doesn't need to be trained. And life is seemingly perfect. And by the way, you can eat whatever you want, and you never gain weight. And then you live to an old age. You die. You go to heaven. That's it. That's what a buttoned-up sitcom-style theology looks like in and through our life. But listen, I don't have to tell you this. You already know this life, especially this walk with the Lord, it's not a sitcom. It doesn't work like that. Habakkuk is proving this out. Not everything is resolved in 30 minutes. Not everything is resolved within 30 days. Not everything is resolved within 30 years. We may not have the answers that we're looking for by the end of 2020. So what do we do with this? Because in life, sometimes you lose your job. As an example, I've had friends in this this situation. They lose their job and they don't get a better paying job. In fact, they're actually doing a job that they are more than qualified to perform and it makes them feel a little bit insecure. It makes them feel like a failure because they are not achieving the way they thought they would. They're not where they're at in this stage of life. Sometimes you think you may have a good marriage Maybe you've had someone in your life, someone close to you, and all of a sudden, one spouse betrays the other, and that spouse that was left is the one hurting, is the one left in the wreckage, in the wake, and they didn't do anything to deserve it. In fact, the story doesn't even make much sense. Why does that happen? Sometimes in life, someone gets sick. The doctor gives a negative diagnosis. Perhaps that person recovers, 
gets better. And then something could happen where something comes back or there's an additional fight, there's an additional trial and you don't really understand, you don't have the answers as to why it's taking place. And then in the middle often of some of these painful experiences and trials we'll have a well-meaning Christian, good-hearted, and they come along and perhaps they just share something that, that's seemingly encouraging. Like, well, all you got to do is trust God and just cast your cares to him. And it's no big deal. And they're well-meaning and perhaps their theology isn't even off base. But the reality is in the middle of that moment, your faith feels wrecked and you feel raw. And God doesn't feel good in that moment because like Habakkuk, you know he could do something and he doesn't. And you just don't understand why. Habakkuk feels this way. He asks a question in verse 3. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife. There's conflict. It abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. In other words, God, I really don't think you're doing what is right. He's saying he's having these problems with God because he's speaking to the people on behalf of God and he's, he's got the very same problems that many of us have at times where, number one, we think, God, do you really even care? Are you really even present? Do you see? Lord, do you know what's going on? Do you know what's taking place? Are you seeing things the way that I am seeing them? Because what you are doing doesn't seem fair. And how many, if you're honest, at some point, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine, that there are times in your life you thought if you were the one in control, you could do it better than God. You would have had a better solution. You would have had a better way to handle this particular situation. We're raising two kids. And right now, there are times where our son and daughter will make a statement, and it's very innocent, like, when I get older, I'm going to do it this way. And I don't have to do what you tell me to do. Well, okay, okay. Yeah, we know. We've all said something like that. I could tell you one particular time in my childhood that I, I know I could have done a better job than what my mom did with me. In fact, I've never told this story publicly, ever. The one reminded me of it this week. I'm, I'm very embarrassed to even talk about it. But you're getting it raw. It's, getting, it's coming out real here this morning, okay? My, my mom, years ago, she wanted me involved in the arts. So I played piano. I played instruments and and then she had this idea, don't tell me why, she put me in dance. I was in a dance, not, not just a dance class, like a dance group. And if you could imagine a, a slightly overweight, massively insecure young kid in a dance group with all girls. And by the way, the song we were learning to dance to was Madonna's Vogue. Y'all remember that song like where they did? I think they did the hand things on the side of the face. I don't even remember. But I was, I was, so, I was so frustrated. I was like, Mom, I don't want to go to dance. I'm the only guy there. And I've got nothing against dance if, if that's your thing, but it wasn't for me. And I just, I haven't forgiven my mother because of this, okay? I just need to be honest. Definitely a time where I thought I could have done it better. I would have done things differently. I'll never subject my son to that. But sometimes I think we just want to ask God, Lord, are you even paying attention? Do you see what's taking place? Here's a question for all of us to consider. Is it okay to question God? Is it okay to push back in our relationship with the Lord, or is that wrong? Is that unholy? Is that unfair? Well, I would say to you that about a third of the Psalms are cries out to God in despair about pain 
In fact, when you read through the books of Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Jeremiah, and Job, they all express confusion on what appears to be an an unjust suffering for the righteous. Even Jesus, as he cries out on the cross moments before his death, he cries out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? Even our Lord and Savior felt the exact same way. Let me explain it to you like this. Many of us in our life, we we go through life and it's just, it's seemingly uneventful. And what I mean by that is you wake up, you, you, you go to your job, you take the kids to school, you get into the regular routine. And then occasionally when you can, you go to church and you serve when you can, you give when you can, you live a relatively what you would consider good life, meaningful life. Even as a Christ follower, you think things are going good. I mean, I, I'm kind of pursuing what I, what I want in my life and my plans are on track. And then inevitably, at some point, life happens. Maybe it's a relative that gets a diagnosis and they get sick and they don't recover. You have a lot of questions as to why. Seems unfair. It doesn't make sense. Perhaps it's somebody that you looked up to that you admired either spiritually or professionally and they've done something immoral and it's completely wrecked their credibility and then everything that you had had built with them when it came to your admiration, it, it crumbled along with their life. And you're asking a lot of questions and you do not have the answers. Perhaps a doctor gives you news that you feel in your heart you didn't deserve. Whatever it is, life happens to all of us. We will experience times where it's going to be difficult. And here's what we need to remember. If you're taking notes, number two is this. We remember that we celebrate on the mountaintop, but we grow in the valley. Let me explain what that means. At some point, many of us, we have what Henry Blackaby in Experiencing God calls a crisis of belief. It means that we're feeling, God, if you are real, if you love me, why am I here? I don't even know if you're involved. Do you even care? And when these emotions, when these feelings take place, here's what tends to happen. People go in one of two directions. They say, first of all, well, um, they want to deny what it is that they're walking through. I've been around people like this, Christ followers that love the Lord. Something has happened in their life and they don't want to admit that it's actually going on. They actually think that admitting the truth is is a repudiation of their faith. They think for some reason, if they're just honest with what's actually going on, it makes them less of a believer. So they deny. They deny the reality that's before them. The other extreme is people that when they're going through a situation like this, perhaps a crisis of belief or they don't know what's going on, they just walk away with God. They walk away from God. They say, you know what, forget it. I knew this church thing was a waste of time. I knew this prayer thing was a waste of time. Why do I even even bother with this? I'm walking away from it. I'm not coming back. And at that point, we think perhaps there's only two options on one side of the extreme or the other. But I want to present to you that I believe that there's a third option that Habakkuk shows us, and it's that we wrestle in the middle of our pain. The third option is when we're confused and we need answers to questions that are deep, that are meaningful, where we don't understand what's around the corner. We do what Habakkuk did and we wrestle and embrace what's happening in our walk with God. I don't get it. I'm confused, but I'm going to continue to embrace. Is my situation, is my year going to get better? Sometimes it doesn't. Perhaps the situation could get worse. Now all of you are glad that you came to church this morning. 
Sometimes we have to do what the Word says in James chapter 1, which says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking in in, in anything. Here's what I want you to know. The way to true intimacy with God is not to live on the mountaintop, but it's to, it's to get to know his faithfulness in the valley. When you don't have the answers, when you have questions that persist, these are the times that God wants to grow and build something in you that you do not yet have. Years ago when we lived in Arkansas, we were friends with a family, still are to this day, uh, Bobby and Jill Hamilton, and uh, I hope... And pray one day soon that you meet Bobby. He's actually a great man, helps to oversee our church, and has been a a spiritual mentor in my life for many years. Well, about seven, eight years ago, Jill received a very discouraging cancer diagnosis. And I remember there were a lot of questions that were taking place. And this woman was a saint. I'm talking about a saint. Like, you would see her. You could see that she loved God. Uh, she was extremely active. She ate well. She did all the right things. Like, this is, a, this is a person that you would think is a model display of health. And you just you couldn't understand why all of a sudden she got sick. And so the news wasn't good. The diagnosis wasn't encouraging. But I remember one day, I will never forget this. Our staff, we went down to Bobby's house in Conway, Arkansas, and we gathered outside of his home, and we walked to the perimeter of the house, and we had our worship teams out there. It'd be like taking church outside, and we're just blaring the music, and we're praying for Jill. And I can tell you to this day, it would, it would be very difficult for me to compare that moment to any other moment as far as an atmosphere of faith that was around. You're talking about probably a hundred people walking and praying, and we were believing that God would do something that would touch her body in a divine way. And so I remember we're just worshiping. I mean, you could just feel the expectation and the anticipation that God's going to do something great. And then two weeks later, she passed away. And I remember afterwards, there were so many people that asked questions, that were hurt, that were confused. Rightfully so, because we didn't have the answers that we were all looking for. And the biggest one was simply, why? And I believe that there are many of us, we may be in that same place where we're just having a crisis of belief. We want to hold on to hope, but we see it fading in the distance. We don't understand why we're walking through what we are. And at some point, I believe that we're, we can get to the place where Habakkuk was, where it's God, it doesn't seem fair, but then the Lord does something. Here's where it gets exciting. God responds to him. And if you're ready for this, because you're not really going to believe what the Lord does and how he responds, but here it comes. Here's God's response. Habakkuk, He's telling God, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem fair. I don't understand. Here's what the Lord says. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you will not believe even if you were told. Woo! Finally, you're thinking Habakkuk has an answer to prayer. At last, the Lord's going to make everything right. He's going to wipe out all the pain. He's going to make sure that everything is taken care of. God, we're going to be prosperous. God, you're going to take away the hurt. But remember, we talked about this at the beginning. This is not a sitcom-style story. 
And God says this. Are you ready for it? When he mentions that uh, you are going to be utterly amazed, one translation in the ESV, it says astounded, which theologians believe that when he was expressing that word in this scripture, that it was as if God was saying to Habakkuk, I'm going to do something right now that is going to make your heart uncomfortable. So that's how he prepares this response to Habakkuk. But we're going to see through scripture, you could actually read it later in this first chapter. What God does, he tells Habakkuk, I'm going to rise up the Babylonians against you. And if you don't know historically who the Babylonians are, they're the enemies of God. (laughs) They're the very people that detested the Lord. And God said, I'm going to rise these people up in your midst. And they are actually going to bring judgment upon you because of the sin in your life. And so all of a sudden, it makes no sense to Habakkuk why this would take place. And he finds himself in this situation that maybe we feel where we're, it's, it's hopeless. God, what do we do now? That's not the response I was expecting. What do we do when we find ourselves in a hopeless situation? What does a committed believer do? This last point. A committed believer, we remember, can both wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. You can do it at the same time. I want you to watch as Habakkuk, he portrays this. He displays this to us. He tries to embrace, and he doesn't understand. He's wrestling. You can feel the tension in this text. Let's watch it. Let's see it and feel it as he embraces it. In verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? He's questioning God's sovereignty. My God, my Holy One, you will never die. He's just proclaiming, okay, well, I know who this God is that I'm serving. I know that he's the true, my true God, my holy one. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. He's acknowledging, God, you're in control. But here it is. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Here's here's where the struggle comes in. Here's where he's wrestling with unanswered questions. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Can you feel that he's trying to embrace? Can you feel that he's trying to wrestle with the tension that he doesn't have questions to? And I want you to know that if you're at that place where it just feels like, I don't know what's going on, maybe in my life or in this world, I'd like to know, God, will you please answer? I need you to know that God understands your pain. I need you to know that the Lord is with you no matter what it is that you're walking and facing right now. He welcomes your questions and I'm convinced that God would rather you yell at him in honesty than walk away from him in doubt and frustration. I'm totally convinced that God craves our transparency. And when you hit the wall, when you hit the crisis of belief, don't deny your doubts. Don't run from God. Let your doubts drive you to continue to embrace even when you wrestle with God. Let it drive you to a place of hope, knowing that the Lord is ultimately in control. A few thoughts, questions to consider. What if honestly acknowledging your doubts is the first step towards building a deeper faith? What if embracing your secret, your secret questions opens the door for a maturing knowledge of God's character? What if drawing closer to God, developing genuine intimacy with him, requires you to bear something that feels unbearable? What if it takes real pain to experience deep and abiding hope? 
Keystone, if you would. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me here this morning? I'd love to pray with you, pray for you, and I just want you to know that my heart, my prayer as your pastor is, I want to see us grow no matter what it is that we face, no matter what, the, what it is that we endure. And I'm totally convinced that the Lord desires our honesty. He desires our transparency. And in the midst of seemingly hopeless situations, we have to get honest with God. We have to remember that we grow at times when we feel like we're in the valley. And that we have to remember and be willing to embrace and wrestle with honest questions. Because our faith and our questions can exist together. I'm believing that God will lead us to a place of deeper hope in and through him. And the greatest hope, the greatest news that we have is Christ. The faithfulness of God is made whole in Jesus. That's where our hope resides. That's where our faith rests. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified each week as soon as a new sermon is available. We would love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram at the Keystone Church or over on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Keystone Church PA. And of course, for more information, you can visit our website at keystonechurchpa.com.